What's up, everyone? I'm Benny Guadarrama, and Founders Party is back. We took a little bit of a break, but consider this the grand premiere of season two, where I am still interviewing rockstar founders and talking about their startups, their mission and vision, and the journey thus far. Today, I'm very excited and very happy to be talking to Jacob Wolf, who is the founder of Overcome. Jacob, how's it going? I'm doing well, Benny. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm uh, happy to be, to be talking with you today, get to know what you're working on, um, and our listeners get to learn about a new startup today that's going to be changing the world. Um, yes, yes. So, uh, you know, first question is, you know, for people who haven't heard of Overcome, uh, what is your company? What are you building? Sure. So uh, just rewind on my background here for a second. I'm an investigative journalist who I uh, did four and a half years at ESPN. I was the lead reporter in their esports department, which maybe I need to break that down a little bit further. Esports is competitive video gaming. Um, so it's a rapidly growing space within the video game sector, which is probably the most uh, rapidly growing part of entertainment in, in the world right now. So uh, after four and a half years there, I sort of identified this need at the end of 2020 uh, and throughout 2020 that it's really hard to understand gaming if you don't play the games themselves. Um, and, you know, a lot of the content that's made about gaming uh, is very specifically for those people who play the game, and it's not really something that can connect with a wider audience. And so what I'm building is a production company whose sort of sole focus here is to get people involved with gaming from a storytelling perspective, whether that be creating documentaries or television series or podcasts. Um, that are told with sort of the unique understanding of the industry of someone like myself who's worked in it for seven years has, but with also acknowledging the fact that this is not something everyone is into, even as big as it is. And so being able to tell those stories in a way that's really digestible for all is sort of our core mission. Um, and so we already have one podcast contract now with a company called Nerd Street Gamers, um, who are a portfolio company of Comcast and Five Below. Um, and we are really excited that uh, we'll be coming out later this year, um, probably in late Q2 or early Q3. And uh, we're going to continue on from there. We're actively developing a number of different projects and we'll be pitching those. And I'm, I'm fairly excited about what's kind of on our slate for this year and, and next year. Interesting. Yeah, that sounds exciting uh, to get that podcast going with a, with a great partner. Um, yeah, someone who grew up not really playing video games that much. Um, I mean, I had my Nintendo 64, I had a PlayStation one and then later three and then four, but I never really explored any more games. I didn't really play online. I played by myself, FIFA, uh, you know, the new Spider-Man game that's, that came out a few years ago, but mm -hmm. it's interesting to, you know, to see the transition that gaming has made in the past decades where it was really just a hobby where to now it's very organized, it's very competitive. And um, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, I guess, you know, people are watching a lot of games. I think you mentioned something about it, but people are watching a lot of games on their phone. Kids are watching people play video games. How, how, what is that experience like, you know, uh, watching people play games instead of actually playing the game? Yeah, it's not all that much different from watching someone play sports. You know, I grew up playing peewee football and eventually high school football and i am a massive football fan my night last night was spent with friends on discord watching the arizona cardinals play the los angeles rams in the uh, wild card round mm -hmm. so uh you know and 
that that experience to me is that it's not all that much different from watching someone else play games. There's often quite a skill gap uh, between sort of the average player and the you know really popular streamer. Um, when certainly the esports pro, uh, the person who are competing specifically for money. Um, and so it, it really is this, it, it's a very similar experience. You're watching someone do something that you're interested in, but at a, you know, who's playing at a higher different level or who's entertaining, right? And it really right. has evolved from this sort of niche thing to, as you alluded to, like this massive industry and and it really it, it i i don't think i'm exaggerating when i'm saying it's growing faster than other forms of entertainment i think it's growing faster than tv and film i think it's growing faster than music um and i the numbers i believe would back that up so it it's really intriguing when you look at what what gaming has become and where it's headed uh, i'm i'm really positive about it being sort of uh, as more and more people continue to be born and find means of their entertainment at a young age i think gaming will be a really important part of that um, and it's it's an industry people are very interested in uh, jumping into right now and figuring out way to create things. Um, and uh, we're not here looking for like a, a giant piece of the pie. We're here because we're passionate about telling really good stories in a, in a meaningful way. And we want to continue to do that um, in a space that's growing. Definitely. Definitely. I, I see it's growing. I'm watching. Um not participating yet, but I'm watching. And, you know, just as I think yesterday, Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, yeah. that's pretty big, right? Um, and especially with components and elements that um, are coming in through Web3. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, play to earn? I don't know much about that. You know, I don't think that anyone has figured out uh, the sort of most useful system for Web3 yet in gaming. I think that's still open for debate. We see a lot of companies trying different things. Ubisoft, um, for example, is in implementing uh, or was going to be implementing certain levels of blockchain into their in-game purchase system. Um, but, you know, I talked to a lot of different people who are in the Web3 industry on a regular basis. And myself, I am really interested in the the technology of blockchain itself, particularly sort of a non-fungible ledger, right? The fact that you can track transaction and there's a, a certain level of trust there when goods exchange hands. Um, but I don't think there's yet a very seemingly seeming or seamless way for it to integrate into games as of right now. Um, and I believe we're still in sort of the ideation of if it even will. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, for me, Web three is. Uh, very makes a lot of sense to integrate into a lot of things like financial institutions. It doesn't exactly make sense yet for gaming, but maybe there's a solution that will be proposed that does, but I've not seen one yet that kind of blows my socks off. Right. Right. Yeah. Still, still early days, definitely for all of that. Um, it's, it's just the beginning and, and back to overcome. Uh, so tell me a little bit about like what the customer experience is, you know, someone goes to you and says, Hey, you know, we're looking uh, for production or well, what does that look like? Sure. So we're very much a, a B2B company, not a B2C company. Um, mm -hmm. Our clients are going to be people like Nerdstreet, who themselves have sort of bigger media plans, um, as well as, you know, we hope, um, SVOD customers and uh, subscription video on demand um, and podcasting companies uh, or podcast buying companies. So, you know, we, we'd we really like to be uh, on Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, et cetera, or Spotify and, and uh, Odyssey or Amazon. Um, the, and some brand partners in there as well, but we're really trying to 
what I think what we have that's really unique is that like not only just my experience, but I have a really broad network of people in storytelling, whether they be from sort of the traditional sports field, having worked at ESPN and and you know met so many different people that aren't there anymore. Some of them are now doing their own thing, um, meeting other people in the sports media industry and just media at large. And being able to really tell these stories in a very intricate way that you may not get from a very experienced producer who I'm sure knows how to put together a really nice pitch deck and knows how to put out a really nice and clean product, but they don't necessarily know the intricacies of telling the story. Maybe they make the feel, the subject feel uncomfortable if you're telling you know a, a person-focused documentary or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. We think that we're going to be able to really find this lane of like, hey, we know the space. And we are, uh, we know the space and we're here to really tell stories with really taking into account both sides. Like that's, that's the big thing for us. The side of, Hey, I'm really into gaming. I don't want to feel like I'm being spoken down to like I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. And also I know nothing about games and I need sort of an entryway here other than this person plays video games for money. We really want to find the really mesh point of like kind of taking into account both audiences and telling stories in that way. Cool. Definitely. Um, and it, how, how are you going about reaching, you know, the, the, the brands that you're reaching out to, like, what's your sales cycle like? Sure. So I work with United Talent Agency, who are one of the biggest talent agencies in the United States, uh, alongside William Morris and, and creative artists agency. Um, I have a really good team at U- UTA, uh, shout outs to Daniel Smarts in their news department in New York and Shelby Shankman in their podcasting, uh, department in Los Angeles. Um, you know, they, Daniel and Shelby have a really, uh, nice Rolodex as is their company. I mean, they have many clients that work with some of those aforementioned clients, but part of my entire career has just been trying to build these relationships. So I do a ton of cold outreach all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never afraid of someone telling me no, um, ever. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's rare that I, uh, get told no, it's either I get ghosted or I get a response. And so that's fine. Like if that's my life, so be it. Um, but I try to build relationships. And I think what's really key and has always been key throughout my career um, as a reporter even is building relationships with people without intent. You know, like if I'm reaching out to somebody at one of the aforementioned companies just to get to know them rather than, hey, our first meeting, I'm going to pitch you something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they appreciate like real business working relationships and you get to know them, you get to know their preferences, you get, you know, they get to know you and they get to know your preferences and what you're doing. Um, and so that way, when you do approach them with something that, you know, there's a sort of an existing pre-existing business relationship there. I think that's, that's really crucial. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, you have a winning attitude already by just going for it, you know, and, and, you know, yep, definitely. Um, and you know, what was your reason to starting overcome? Like what was, what, what sparked you to finally just go after it? So when I was at ESPN, you know, at four and a half years may not seem like that long, but it certainly felt like a lifetime. I went through a lot of different management cycles. This is one of the biggest sports. It is the biggest sports media company in the world. And, you know, part of one of the biggest media companies in the world at Disney. Um, As you can imagine, there's a lot of bureaucracy in a company like that. And uh, even the little things of like getting approved to write a story could sometimes be difficult, much less pitching a whole documentary or a podcast series. And so some of the things I wanted to do while I was there, I got to do but not necessarily without uh, a lot of hurdles. And I'll give you an example of that. So I, uh, there was a mass shooting in Jacksonville, Florida um, at a gaming event. Uh, It was a Madden event, the football game. 
Um, and I, in 2018, and I went down there to cover it, uh, for ESPN, the magazine around, uh, or alongside a very, uh, more tenured senior writer for the magazine. And while I was down there, I met a guy who his life story is basically that he was a used car salesman in Tampa, um, in his mid to late twenties. And then, but he would play NBA 2k and Madden on the side for like in small tournaments, um, online. And he eventually was good enough to make it into the NBA 2K League, which was the NBA's sponsored official league, video game league. And so he was drafted by uh, the gaming team owned by the Milwaukee Bucks. He went and played in New York throughout an entire season. And then his team didn't make the playoffs. He came home to Tampa, drove to Jacksonville to hang out with some friends at this Madden tournament and ended up being the victim of a shooting. He took four gunshot wounds, uh, two of them to his hand, which is someone who used as a controller. That is a pretty, you know, career-threatening injury. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of after all that time, we, I got to meet him while he was in between his first and second hand reconstruction surgery in a University of Florida hospital. And I realized then, like, this guy has a story. We don't know what's going to happen to him over the next seven months, right? We know the league's going to happen next April. Here we are in August, late August. And he's got a hell of a journey to go over, you know, over the next six months. And I was able to get that story through, but with a lot of difficulty to sports center featured, um, which is the, they do um, t uh, these like short TV features right around like 12 to 15 minutes uh, every Sunday morning on sports center. And when we were, uh, I got it through and we did six, or six on location shoots with him um, in Cleveland and Florida and, and Austin and New York. Um, and eventually the story came out in, in May of 2019 and uh, he had made his comeback and, and we got to sort of the ending of the story was him on stage playing again and playing with like a modified um, grip on his controller because he couldn't really use his thumb much anymore because of the way they had to reconstruct his hand. Um, and we were able to tell that story. And, and after the fact, he started messaging me um, these screenshots of people who had lost their children to gun violence, messaging him on Instagram, empathizing with him. And I realized very quickly, hey, there are these stories about people who are gamers that can connect, like I said earlier, can connect with these broad audience. Those people aren't gamers. They just empathize with someone because they lost someone to gun violence. And mm -hmm. here's this man who's had to sort of overcome all of this to get to his uh, to get back to his dream. And so, you know, I had a few other stories like that, that I wanted to do at ESPN. Unfortunately, the, uh, the pandemic altered some of that, but also just generally, um, a lot of, uh, ESPN were re uh, reprehensive to put that much money into production on those types of projects. And so I very quickly realized in 2020, I need to do something about this. And after exploring sort of what else was out there at other companies, I realized the best way for me to do this is to do it myself. And, uh, so, you know, I started started the company in late 2020, but I've really sort of put a ton of time into it in 2021. And now kind of here we are. Right on. I appreciate you sharing all of that. That's a, that's a story that I think, you know, really, really adds to, you know, why you, you built it. I mean, it's the reason why, and I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I, you know, it, I, 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 I see the connections that you mentioned, you know, people are, you know, making these connections and it'll be in every single aspect in every single way. Every gamer will have a story to tell. Um, and then that's why the industry, as you said, is growing so, so quickly um, because people want to get these stories out. They want to share who they are and, 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 
you know, why they do what they do. Um, And what would you say is an average workday for you? You said in 2021, you know, you were putting in a lot of hours, a lot of work into it. What's an average day look like? Sure. So it really depends on what step of the process we are in projects. Um, Right now, it's a lot of sort of administrative work, which is my least favorite thing to do as a creative person, right? Like I'm a, I know how to produce video and audio and I like to write. This is, you know, sort of doing everything from like cap table management to payroll and everything else, health benefits. Like I hate it. I hate it all. Um, I know it's necessary. I need to make this a good workplace for my employees. I'm willing to do the grunt work. That said, uh, I absolutely cannot stand doing this and I'm excited to eventually have someone ran that side of the business so I can go meet people and tell cool stories. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, sometimes we're like talking to potential partners to work on production projects. Uh, sometimes we're kind of in the weeds of those production projects, recording audio with people, um, sort of breaking that down, taking notes, writing out storyboards and various different ways, writing out scripts. Um, it really is all over the place. Um, I I feel like every founder says that, but mine, my particular thing is like, Hey, I'm like building a startup for a media thing. And then I'm also having to do all the media side of it. And it, it really is chaotic, but um, I really like it. it. It's been really fulfilling. Like I've learned a lot more. I've been like full-time focused on this throughout all of January. I'm out of my other job. I had another full-time job throughout uh, 2021 as a part of this transition. And um, now I'm like full-time focused on this and I've learned so much even in the past three weeks, which is just really like, it makes me happy that I'm like learning and experiencing new things I've never experienced before. Definitely. There's peace in the chaos as well. What what have been a couple of things that you've you know you, you've learned some takeaways from while building this? Sure, like I have, I I was not an MBA uh, graduate. Like I don't have experience putting together various things like balance sheets and and um, I've done financial projections before, so that's not all that difficult. Um, mm-hmm. But everything from balance sheets to like working through advisor agreements and all the various different employee uh, benefits and compensation packages and everything else. Like all of that is relatively new to me. I like know how it functions, but it's getting in the weeds and doing it myself has been something I, I've had to learn. Um, and so that's been really fun. It's also been really challenging, but I mean, I, I went to school for two years for computer information systems, dropped out to be a journalist, two very unrelated things. And now I'm on a very third unrelated thing. So um, yeah, it's been a challenge, but I, I'm thankful to have like some really talented friends that are entrepreneurs as well and are, you know, have built successful companies or are building what are, you know, on their way to be successful companies. And so I have a lot of people to talk to and get feedback and even, you know, answer my dumb, dumb questions. Um, but I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Good, good. Definitely. Yeah. Always good to have that core group around you, um, to help you out with, you know, with anything, just, you know, give you thoughts and, and, you know see how you know you're just someone just to talk to sometimes it's good to just have people to talk to definitely um and you know what's uh what's the big vision for overcome what do you where do you see the company in 10 years from now yeah i look at some other companies that have been successful in this space and i i really am inspired and admire and admire what they've done um for example like the ringer what the ringer did for sports is really intriguing and i actually like get a lot of Bill Simmons comparisons myself. I'm an ex-ESPN employee who's now doing their own thing in this particular space. That's his life story. Um, I'm not nearly as experienced as him, um, but you know, I'm younger and in a very different space. So I guess that makes sense. Um, but you know, and and also people like Wondery and Gimlet who now are a part of Spotify, like you know, the, what those people have been able to do. You know, I'm not so keen on like, 
oh yeah, this is a five-year exit and I'm going to go like sell off my company to some massive corporation. That's not my end-all be-all. Uh, I think about this a lot differently than I would say tech entrepreneurs do. Um, I'm not telling investors my company's worth 15 to 20 X. I can tell you that much um, because I want to be realistic, right? Like the, the sort of the flip side of the gaming industry is that the gaming industry has a lot of vaporware, people who are t telling investors things that are very unrealistic and some of them know they're unrealistic as well. And I really want to sort of be the uh, antithesis of that in terms of like, I want to be hyper real, right? Like I did, I did a ton of business reporting. I know what's real and what's not. I'm mm -hmm. not going to fake, fake my way totally to it. I'm going to learn along the way. Um, and so in 10 years, I really want us to be the people creating nonfiction content in the gaming space, doing it in a way that's respectable by a lot of people. Um, and I think the demand for that is already really high. The supply is actually very, very low. There's not a lot of companies like ours doing this type of content. Um, but I really want uh, to sort of continue to grow with that demand. And I think there will be even more companies that want to buy this kind of content to diversify their content portfolio. And I want us to be here for that. So, and I, and, you know, uh, the, the first couple of years, I think will be about building sort of a well-oiled machine where we have other people in the company that can do the, sort of the creative aspect. And it's not on, all on me all the time um, from the creative perspective, but, you know, getting in 10 years, I think we'll be in a, a position where things move really smoothly and I don't have to have my hands in every pie which would be great. Right on. Yeah. hundred percent uh, rooting for you. Definitely. Um, yeah. My respect the way you're, you're going about things. I think that's a very unique approach. Um, and um, what, what's something that, you know, uh, for our listeners an ask that you have for the founders party community, whether it's like, you know, you need more interaction or you're um, looking for uh, customers, you're funding, uh, you're looking for your fundraising, um, or, you know, what, what's something that, you know, the community could help you out with? Are you hiring? Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing a few of those things. Um, so we are fundraising, which is exciting. Um, it's, again, just a small round to kind of get us uh, ahead of revenues, which is really nice. I, I project us to be a pretty revenue forward business. Mm -hmm. We won't need to take continual investment over and over and over again. So finding strategic partners is really interesting. Um, to us, uh, we will be hiring um, in the next months uh, I foresee us hiring particularly creative producers um, who are really talented at doing multiple things so people who have some area of expertise in both audio and video um, will be really helpful um, and then yeah I, I really just want to meet other people uh, media focused founders in particular because it's, it's actually a pretty lonely space uh, media is not the big sexy uh, sexy business that tech is with you know giant returns um, I recognize that, uh, but it's, it can be hard because, uh, you know, finding other people that understand the media space and can be mentors or, you know, peers and be there for that feedback can be really difficult. Um, and so, you know, if there's anyone listening to this podcast, uh, feel free to reach out. Cool. Sweet. And that segues into my last question. If someone wanted to reach out, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, I'm at Jacob Wolf on Twitter. Um, if you at me, it's a really easy way to get me. My uh, Proton Mail is on on my Twitter. Uh, I do I do check it. So uh, if you email there, I'll, I'll find it. Please, please don't spam that. Um, there are some people who do that very poorly, um, yeah. and I don't appreciate it. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty easy easy guy to get in contact with. I try. Cool, cool. Please no spamming, everyone. Please no spamming. Um, well, thank you, Jacob. I appreciate you for coming on to Founders Party, talking about Overcome. It was, um, I learned a lot just from, you know, this 20-minute conversation, and um, I wish you all the best in, in continuing to build your company, really.
No worries. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Yep.